Well, good morning. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Essex Church and to this, our gathered community of Kensington Unitarians. We meet here each Sunday through the year and through our words and our silences, our songs and our prayers, through our conversations and our sharing of our lives, we honour what it is to be human. And we're warmed by the knowledge that we do this thing called life together. So let's take some of that warmth of human connectedness into this, our time of worship here this morning. As I invite you to take a conscious breath and to settle yourself. Let's remind ourselves that we are here now in this present moment. Whoever we are, whatever we are, however we are, let's know that we're all welcome here in this community of the Spirit. A church is a place where we can be who we truly are and a place where we can bring our human experiences, our joys and our sorrows the burdens that we heard of in that song earlier on, our hopes and our fears, our errors and our successes, our questions and our uncertainties. I don't know the issues of your lives. Some of you will be living through tough times, that is for sure, and some will be joyous. But my hope is that in the time that we spend together this morning, each of us will find something that speaks to us that the lonely might find companionship, the grief-stricken some comfort, and the joyous, well, may the joyous find ways to share their good fortune with others. And I extend this sense of connectedness to all those who listen in to this service at some future time, somewhere perhaps far from here. We've heard recently from people who listen to our recordings in Northern Ireland, in York and Norfolk, in Poland, Spain, North and South Carolina, in Boston and Washington State. Welcome, welcome to you all. And in your honour, our chalice is lit this morning, that its simple flame may touch your hearts wherever you may be at this moment. And my hope is that this simple flame may add to the toast oft times raised when Unitarians gather together to civil and religious liberty the world over. I'm, um, I'm never going to tire of telling this story because there is something of the, um, the parrot in me and, and I wonder if, if there's any of the parrot in you too. Because this is the freedom parrot. And there was a a man, a great great warrior, a great fighter for freedom, who was travelling in the mountains. And he stayed at an oasis for the night. And he was amazed to see there a beautiful parrot in a golden cage, rather like this, continually repeating, Freedom! Freedom! And it was such a place that when that word freedom came out of the parrot's beak, it echoed across from the mountains to the valleys and back again. Freedom, freedom. And the man thought, you know, I've seen so many parrots, and I've thought oft times that they wanted to be free from those cages, 
but I have never met a parrot whose whole day was spent shouting for freedom. And so he had the idea. It might have come to any of us, mightn't it? In the middle of the night when the owner was fast asleep, he got up, he opened the door of the cage, and he whispered to the parrot, Now get out! But he's very surprised that the parrot was clinging to the bars of the cage. And he said to him again, come on, remember freedom, get out. The door is open, your owner is fast asleep, no one will ever know. Fly, the whole sky is yours. But the parrot not only clung to the bars of the cage, but then started pecking at the man and clinging to his own wrist and hurting. And still he shouted, freedom, freedom. So eventually the man grabbed the parrot, (laughs) did a very bad thing, and chucked it out. And parrots, doing what parrots do, off he went, flying, flying into the sky. And the man was deeply satisfied with his gesture, although his hand hurt more than somewhat. And in the morning, he woke up to that same parrot's cry of freedom, freedom. And he thought, oh, the parrot will be sitting over there on a a rock or a tree. But when he came out, well, you know the end, don't you? The parrot was sitting in the cage. And the door, well, the door was still open. And that's the story of the freedom parrot. And I wonder if there is anything of that in you. And let's take that that idea of a freedom parrot into a time of prayer and reflection. As I call on the divine spirit of life and love to be with us now and to bless all that we say and do together here today. I invite you to think of the freedoms that we are grateful for in life. They might be our education, our ability to express ourselves perhaps, or our freedom to disagree. Let's think of a freedom we're grateful for. And perhaps there are freedoms that we misuse or too often take for granted. Or perhaps there are ways that we keep ourselves in cages of our own making. And there are freedoms, are there not, that we yearn for, for our world. I invite you in a few moments of stillness to focus your care and concern on places and people and situations where freedom is absent. Not least of which in the Ukraine, in Syria, in Nigeria and all those other places that so quickly slip from the news. God of all oppressed persons, remind us of your presence in voices of protest. 
shatter our self-complacent faith in liberty freely given and remind us of the cost of hard-won freedom. Let the pain of unrealized dreams return us to a knowledge of our own society's triumphs in the struggle to be free. Oh, but shatter our complacency. And let us learn ways to accept responsibility for the lives of all the yearning people of our world. Amen. This is a reading from James Luther Adams, uh, one of the greatest Unitarian theologians of the 20th century. I call that church free, which enters into covenant with the ultimate source of existence, that sustaining and transforming power not made with human hands. It binds together families and generations, protecting against the idolatry of any human claim to absolute truth or authority. This covenant is the charter and responsibility and joy of worship in the face of death as well as life. I call that church free, which brings individuals into a caring, trusting fellowship that protects and nourishes their integrity and spiritual freedom, that yearns to belong to the church universal. It's open to insight and conscience from every source. It bursts through rigid tradition, giving rise to new and living language, to new and broader fellowship. It is a pilgrim church, a servant church, or an adventure of the spirit. The goal is the prophethood and priesthood of all believers, the one for the liberty of prophesying, the other for the ministry of healing. It aims to find unity and diversity under the promptings of the spirit that bloweth where it listeth and maketh all things new. Right, well, I suggest you just settle down now, get as comfy as you can, possibly have a little snooze or cuddle up to a cuddly toy, because this address is far too long, far too complicated, and it doesn't end very conclusively. How free can speech be? Ah! I heard a story of a man who had fled from a repressive regime in his own country and he found himself in London talking to a Unitarian minister one day and in the course of the conversation the minister, always interested in other people as she is, inquired well I suppose you left the land of your birth because you wanted more freedom no, no, replied the, uh, the um, asylum seeker I had plenty of freedom, I couldn't complain Oh, well, then I suppose you lacked opportunities in your own country, she inquired next. Oh, well, I had opportunities, the man insisted. I couldn't complain. Was it, was it then really that you just did not have a safe enough place to live? No, not really. My home was okay. I couldn't complain. And the minister looked confused. Well, if everything was in your own, fine in your own country, why did you make such an effort to come here? Ah, replied the man with a big smile on his face and even rubbing his hands in glee. Here, here in Britain, I can complain. (laughs) And it's true, isn't it? Here 
here in Britain, we are free to complain about our rulers, our government, our laws, and of course the weather, which frankly has been pretty poor recently, has it not? We seem to be having April showers in May this year. I've been reading lots about free speech this year, including some really excellent pieces written by various authors to mark the 80th anniversary of the campaigning group Liberty, once known as the National Council for Civil Liberties, an anniversary that they celebrated earlier this year. Journalist and social commentator Yasmin Alibai-Brown wrote of the terror she experienced as a university student in Uganda and how anyone who spoke out against Idi Amin's regime was likely to be found dead by the side of the street or, or might simply disappear, never to be heard of again. She writes, and I quote, In 1972, I arrived in Britain, the place, we had been taught, which had the mother of parliaments, free speech, gender equality, and rule of law. It took me time to get used to these entitlements. Soon after arrival, I watched journalists on TV being critical and disrespectful of Ted Heath. Those of us who've lived that long will remember those days and what a lot there was to be critical about. And um, Yasmin, this is Yasmin again, and I feared they would be taken away and hacked to death or buried forever in a prison. I was in my 20s when I first voted and felt part of a free and rule-bound society. Words of Yasmin Alibaya-Brown. So here in Britain, we know, don't we, that we have a freedom of expression that is the envy of many the world over. My favourite example, you'll find some of these cartoons in the, uh, the coffee room later on. My favourite example is that of the Steve Bell cartoon at the back of The Guardian and its portrayal of assorted politicians in a less than favourable light. Um, I've got some examples to look at later of our beloved Prime Minister Cameron drawn by Steve Bell with a condom on his head. And the cartoonist, I'm glad to say, doesn't treat one political party more favourably than others. His depictions of Nick Clegg and Ed Miliband often make me wince in their sharpness. I don't know how many other countries would allow their political leaders to be satirised in this way, yet here in Britain we have a long history of political satire in the press. Yet, a friend of mine who's worked for many years as a lawyer over in the States has often said to me that we in Britain should be deeply concerned about the way our civil liberties are being eroded by successive governments, passing laws supposedly for the public good. Now, freedom of expression is, of course, enshrined within the First Amer Amendment of the American Constitution, within the Bill of Rights. I am no expert on the American Constitution, but I think I'm right in saying that it's this amendment which gives Americans freedom to worship as they wish, freedom to express themselves fully, including the freedom to incite hatred, which is not allowed here in Britain. You might have heard of the so-called Westboro Baptists, a church not linked with any other group of Baptists, it has to be said, with members mainly from just one family. They became famous for burning copies of the Koran, and for picketing university graduations and soldiers' funerals with banners expressing really unpleasant messages, too unpleasant to speak of here. Though you could probably guess the rest if I told you that some of their placards read, God hates sluts and God hates drunks. Well, I find such hatred painful. I know you do too. 
It jars with my reading of the New Testament and the gospel descriptions of Jesus eating with tax collectors and sinners. And so when it comes to freedom of expression and free speech, I am already confused and uncertain. And that's hardly surprising because it is a really complex issue. And it's an issue made all the more complex in the 21st century when so much more is being written and conveyed by so many more forms of media. Twitter's chief executive recently announced that Twitter is hosting over 500 million tweets per day. Little snippets of, of information. That is a remarkable amount of communicating that's going on. Now, the idea of freedom, of course, is closely linked with that of rights. And the concept of rights comes with a concept of responsibility. Philosopher John Stuart Mill argued that a, a citizen's freedom could be curtailed if their actions could cause harm to others. An oft-used example of this with regards to free speech was cited in an American courtroom in the early 20th century as a person not having the right to shout fire in a crowded theatre when there wasn't a fire. I've read a rather pleasing satirical reworking of that idea by social and political activist Abby Hoffman who wrote that free speech means the right to shout theatre in a crowded fire. (laughs) In in the area of freedom of expression, this no-harm concept is often extended to the not-causing of offence to others. But crikey, what a subjective minefield that one is. Another way to explore that might be to say, well, do do I have the right to distress you? And, and of course, given the varied nature of human existence, occasional distress is surely an inevitable part of being alive. And, in, and distress or offence may, of course, indeed lead to harm. You, you might remember the upset that ensued after an edition of the BBC's Big Questions programme back in January, the one that asked if human rights should always outweigh religious rights. There were two students on the panel, and I, I think they were really manipulated to, uh, to reveal that they were wearing T-shirts that showed a Jesus and Mo cartoon. Parliamentary candidate Majid Nawaz then tweeted a picture of that cartoon and said that his God was greater than to feel threatened by such a, a drawing. Well, that simple statement caused a furore, led to a campaign to have him deselected as a candidate. No newspaper chose to show that gentle and humorous cartoon. And they argued, the newspapers, that, well, it would be irresponsible of them to show the cartoon because they had staff working in countries where people would indeed have found that cartoon deeply offensive. For we live in a world now, don't we, without boundaries, where the internet conveys messages and images in seconds. And we also get to hear about the sufferings of others. And my heart continually goes out to all those who don't have the freedoms that that I take for granted here. I mean, you know, there are too many examples to even start mentioning them, but some of, some of the ones that I found this week, simply that Saudi Arabia has issued new laws this year that treat atheists on a par with terrorists. 
Somebody has just um, served 19 months in prison in Indonesia on a charge of inciting religious hatred, and his crime was simply to declare on the internet that he was an atheist. In India, Penguin Books have recently withdrawn um, an alternative history of Hinduism uh, written by a respected US scholar, um, an Indian painter, M.F. Hussein, who's arguably the country's greatest modern painter. He died in exile because he'd been so attacked for his irreverent portraits of Hindu deities. So when it comes to, to free speech and free expression, I find myself uncertain. I know that the unpleasantly described war on terror has been used by various Western democracies, including our own, as an excuse to chip away at our freedoms. We have Edward Snowden and Julian Assange to thank for the revelations about the amount of surveillance that is carried out in secret by our governments. Many of us, I know, are chilled by the manipulation of language that describes a torture method as waterboarding, strangely sounding like a pleasant seaside activity rather than a way of extracting information by nearly drowning someone. Or extraordinary rendition that sounds like a marvellous cultural treat rather than the removing of a human being from one country to another against their will so that they can be interrogated in a country less scrupulous than the country that's doing the kidnapping. Heaven help us. And then, on the other hand, we know that forces are at work in our world that would seek to destroy the very freedoms we take for granted. Universal education, gender equality, racial equality, (coughs) freedom of sexual orientation, freedom of belief, the right to vote, the right to be in opposition to a ruling party, the right of peaceful assembly, We could go on, couldn't we? So, dearie me, I wonder where this all leaves you. Hopefully some of you are now asleep. Perhaps some of you who are studying philosophy will be able to put us all this confusion into shape for us. And I know there are some legal experts here today who can give us another perspective. But it seems to me that if we are to have freedom of expression, then we need freedom of thought. And freedom of thought needs freedom of the very imagination. And that can be moved towards, I do believe, through striving for religious and civil liberty the world over. But then what if people just don't want those freedoms for themselves? It's not just the parrots that cling to the bars of the cage, is it? Enough. Let's discuss this further over a cup of tea. Hold on a moment. There is a final page to this. If you find it. That's suitably amusing that I've lost it. Have a look at the front of your order of service. I think it's a misquote of Voltaire. A liberal view. I do not agree, he says, with what you have to say, but I'll defend to the death your right to say it. In our world today... I'm not sure that I would defend someone's right to say whatever they wish. So let me end instead by quoting Oscar Wilde's reworking of Voltaire. I may not agree with you, but I will defend to the death your right to make an ass of yourself. (laughs) So perhaps humour, the ability to laugh at our human predicament, perhaps humour will save us. Who knows? Amen.
And so, may we in the week ahead find ways to be responsibly free, to enjoy all the gifts of our lives, yet remain ever aware of how easy it is to oppress others, however unintentionally. May the words of our lips express the yearnings of our hearts. May we find balance in our giving and receiving. And may we strive to create a world of justice and equality for all people, this day and always. Amen. Go well and blessed be.